you roll into town and you look for the dirtiest place, go eat that burger. Lock it down. I'm eating over here. It's one of the most recognizable and beloved brands in Alberta, with over 25 completely independent locations. Then if you go to other burger brands, each one is different. They don't follow rules. There is no actual system. Everybody's kind of doing their own thing with Burger Bear. They didn't seem to have anything in common, except for one thing. Every single one was owned by Lebanese immigrants like my parents. So that's the problem with the Lebanese mentality. They cannot accept one person in charge. It's against their genes. How did the Burger Baron go from fast food franchise to fast food meme? Nobody really knows who the owner is. One of the Lebanese people came, took it, and made it the company that it is. I've heard different stories about they've started it. It's just out and out lie, and I don't like it. My dad started that, period. Joining us today on Moving Radio is Omar Mualam, director, writer, uh, and documentarian, author. Look, this guy does a lot. Very impressive. Look, two films we're going to be talking about today that he's done is a documentary called The Last Baron. It's about Burger Baron franchise, the beloved Burger Baron franchise, as well as he co-directed a documentary called Digging in the Dirt, which is a raw look at the psychological toll of oil and gas labor uh, in Alberta. And both of them you can find on CBC Gem. But here's the big one. He is also recipient of Alberta's 2022 Lieutenant Governor Emerging Artists Award very recently, as in last week. And like I said, just a talented all-around guy. We're lucky to have him on Moving Radio. Omar, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. It's nice, very, very nice of you to say that. It's great to be on the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, I know. I know. You're a real hardcore listener, probably. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I... Ask my wife. I mean, I can't even, I just, I can't get through a week without it. Uh, It's okay. Look, I always tell people, if you have trouble sleeping, I'm your guy. I'm like, get it. Oh, yeah. Get it. Definitely. Well, look, I mean, this is a really special thing, I think. And not just because the title seems really long and prestigious, right? But I think it's interesting because it, it definitely means that you're acknowledged for your work, not only as a, a filmmaker, but as an author. So talk to us a little bit about for you what it meant when you got that news and the fact that mm. you were receiving something that uh, has labeled you as an emerging artist. I feel really good about it. You know, it's it's funny to have this term emerging artist because I'm 30, I'll be 37 soon, right? Yeah. And also I've been, you know, I've been a published writer since I was 20 years old, I guess I'm 20, 21. I think I'm going to my 16th or 17th year of writing. But I am, I think as an artist emerging because it is only recently that I've, that I shifted from magazine journalism mostly, but you know, from, from journalism to writing books and to making films, um, which is, you know, I mean, there's, there's obviously some uh, artistry that goes into um, literary journalism. But there are just so many constraints, you know, largely because your your outlet has a very specific audience. You're working with editors who have certain expectations. It's kind of like being a graphic designer versus an artist. And with the books and the films, I feel like I get to be a, a painter painter now. 
you talk about that kind of evolution from, you know, uh, writing articles like, you know, magazines like Wired. Like, it's not like you've just been doing stuff in like stuff that was like free on the street magazines, right? That's like where it started, though. Yeah, well, that's where that's the humbler beginnings, right? So talk to us a little bit about that evolution as now you kind of took those steps forward from being a writer that kind of evolves to now still telling stories and still communicating with an audience, but doing it through film. Um, did you feel like you saw that happening for yourself or uh, mm-hmm. it, it, did that feel like a natural progression or is it just kind of like this led you this direction? You didn't see that coming. It led me in this direction, despite the fact that my education is in film. Like I went to, I went to film school and I don't have a journalism degree. I kind of just, fell into it um this also felt kind of like falling back into it though as well because it it had been i don't know more than 10 years since i'd done anything with the camera with a motion picture camera and the opportunity arrived to do digging in the dirt quite randomly maybe surreptitiously it was uh it was an opportunity that came through my friend dylan reese howard who is a filmmaker and a great filmmaker. And if you work in in Edmonton's, you know, film industry, you know him. And he had made a short film called Peak Oil about a, you know, sort of, it, it was basically about the life of a, uh, a slice of life of a Alberta oil and gas worker who whose life was slipping away while he was away on on the rigs and didn't have the emotional capacity to deal with what was happening at home. This was a script that he wrote, beautifully written, beautifully acted, beautifully filmed. At the same time, I was writing a uh, feature story for BuzzFeed, a narrative feature story that was about the same subject, only it was work of journalism. And so when this came out, he approached me and said, hey, I've been working on this film. Um, but it's, you know, it's a topic that I'm really interested in. And then I read your doc, your, your article. And I think that, you know, this could be a documentary. And, um, and so really it was, you know, it I didn't, I didn't foresee it. I, I really felt like my, my film, you know, my film career, um, was in the past and I was okay with that. But then when the opportunity came, and we, and then when we sold it to CBC, um, I just suddenly remembered how much I loved working in films and telling stories through film and film language. And there's just so much that you can say without saying it that I really missed. Um, and also, I missed the shit out of collaborating with other people. You know, 16 years as a writer yeah, you have your collaborators and you have your sources and interviews and stuff. But it's not like working on a film, um, even a small film like this, where where we traveled, you know, as a very small crew and stayed together in hotels. And, and it was just, you know, that kind of camaraderie. I really, I really loved it. And I really yearned for it. Um, and, and that, that was like multiplied by 10 on The Last Baron, because we were shooting that in the pandemic. And it was like, yes, get me out of my house, get me with my friends, take me on a on a journey, like, let's do this. 
We're speaking today on Moving Radio with Omar Mualam, the director of The Last Baron, but also co-director of the documentary we just talked about as well, Digging in the Dirt uh, with Dylan Reese Howard. You can stream both of them on CBC Gem. And here's the big deal. He is also one of the recipients of Alberta's 2022 Lieutenant Governor Emerging Artists Award. So you kind of parlayed already into Digging in the Dirt, which I loved. Uh, it's such an interesting idea because... You know, I lived there for a very, very brief time in the 80s when I was like basically in junior high and even in, living in Fort McMurray, you kind of already had this feeling from like, which is strange from like 12 to 15 that you were like, okay, so be careful because you don't want to live here forever or get caught up in being like another cog in the wheel of, of Syncrude and Suncor. So for many of me and my friends, we were like, you know, it wasn't a small town, but everybody felt like we got to get out of this place because mm. that's what you're going to get eaten up by. And then to kind of see those layers that you peel back that I already felt like were kind of there, you really illuminated, I think, for quite a few people what the the issues are that a lot of these men are dealing with because it's predominantly guys. So talk just a little bit. You have several different subjects in the film. Talk just a little bit about what these men are going through and just the lack of support, uh, not mm. only from the companies, but from each other because they've created this kind of toxic masculinity culture. The industry and the companies are not really at the root of the problem, right? I think they they amplify the problem. The long and hard, grueling work, the largely male-dominated, I mean, not largely, complete, like the male-dominated industry, um, the time away from families. I mean, you talk about, um, you know, growing up in Fort McMurray, um, what I think is even more difficult is for the oil and gas workers who don't live in Fort McMurray, but work in Fort McMurray, right? And so they do, they do shift work. And, uh, you know, the time away from your social network, your family, the people who know you most, and the people who are there to support you when you're going through hard times, that all amplifies the problem. But really what it's, what's at the root of it is the way that we have, we've been socialized as men which is to be tough, to be problem solvers, to not admit to mistakes, to conceal our vulnerabilities, and to always be in charge. And so under those circumstances, when you start to lose control because your, your, your marriage is dissolving or you can't keep up with the bills um, or you're just exhausted and you're pushing your body to the limit, you, you'll find that a lot of those... A lot of those men, because they are men, and you know, and also because of the the cultures that they've been raised in, that they just they don't have the emotional capacity to deal with it, and so they are more likely to just kill themselves and take their own lives than to seek out help, or they don't seek out help for as long as maybe they need to before they decide to to end it, and so there there had been. Um, you know, it was just, it was like the worst kept secret, right? That there were a lot of substance abuse and and suicide, substance abuse issues and suicides in the oil and gas workforce. Worst kept secret in Alberta. And there was no research. There was no research being done about it. Well, there was very little research being done about it. And what's interesting is it was largely being done by women, which I found very interesting. It certainly was not being led by the companies or by the government. 
um, which I thought was very interesting. That's what the story is about. It's a number of stories, men of different generations who do this kind of work and not just oil and gas, but also, you know, work in the trades, that very like hyper-masculine culture, you know, how they have, uh, you know, how close they've come to suicide and maybe most importantly, what pulled them back. I grew up in a small town and everybody from that small town that's what you do, you either go work in the coal mine or the oil and gas industry. So a lot of people looked at it as there was an unlimited wealth to be made and the economy wasn't gonna go anywhere and let's go make all the money we can and spend all the money we can. When I knew there was a problem and I knew that I couldn't put the drugs down or the alcohol down, I didn't wanna go get help. What I learned about being a man was to figure it out. A lot of the workers talked about, you know, feeling like a cog in the wheel, feeling like a number, feeling undervalued, feeling replaceable, and the oil comes first. I told my parents, like, I need to see a professional, a psychiatrist. But back then, um, that was a taboo word, small town, and they said, absolutely not. That is, you will wreck our family name, that you can handle this, get on with your life. My lifestyle went from being rough to extreme. You take a real hard left when you talk about following that up with The Last Baron, right? And maybe that's what you needed at that point in your life after editing this whole thing, right? Because it's such a fascinating look at a really unique piece of Alberta history. So... When I saw that that was posted online, I was like, oh my gosh, because I'd, I'd followed Dylan and I was like, oh, this is a genius idea. I think, and I didn't <laughs> know that your own connection to it, um, that you have ties to it uh, because you have humble beginnings as a junior baron. So uh, talk to us a, a little baronet. bit about, yeah, a baronet. Talk to us a little bit about how a project like The Last Baron evolves and maybe just give uh, anybody that isn't aware of that project either a little peek inside what it's about. Sure. So The Last Baron is um, the story of the Burger Baron franchise, which is not really a franchise. People think it is because they see it all over Alberta and they've maybe seen a handful of them that had similar logos. But if you look a little closer, you'll see they're all a little bit different. It is actually better described as a meme, I think, than a franchise. Um, so that's one side of it. But even the people who are astute and have noticed that the Burger Baron is more of a meme... Many of them don't know that all the owners are loosely connected Lebanese immigrants. The question is, how did that happen? And this is something that I was mildly aware of as a kid. You know, it was, you know, my parents owned the Burger Baron in High Prairie. And I had a relative who owned a Burger Baron in Wabasca. And every once in a while, we'd go on a hockey trip to these small Alberta towns and if my dad was driving, he would always just go to the Burger Baron. He, there would be a Lebanese person running it. And he may know him, he, they may not. But automatically there was this kinship. And I was like, why are all these Burger Barons Lebanese? And I don't know, I, I, I didn't give it too much thought. But then when I moved to Edmonton and I saw that even like the big city Burger Barons were all owned by Lebanese people, that's when it, it was like, okay, this is, this is a conspiracy. What's going on here? This movie is about that. It also, like 
Digging in the Dirt, it also came out of an article that I'd written. Um, but it was an article that I written quite a while ago, in 2013, for Swerve magazine called Will the Real Burger Baron Please Stand Up? And that was a uh, investigation, uh, <laughs> genuine investigation into the origins of the Burger Baron and who the originator of it was. And so, you know, this story had always not just stuck with me, but it resonated with a lot of people. I mean, till, you know, till this, for years and years, people would bring that up with me, right? I just, it was, I could tell that it really connected with them, really resonated with them. It wasn't just the quirkiness of it and the, you know, the, the sort of hyper-localness of it, but I think it's the tenderness of an immigrant story, you know, told through hamburgers. And so after digging in the dirt, Dylan, you know, maybe a year later, approached me and was like, we have an opportunity to pitch CBC again. I want to hear from you. Like, what stories do you want to tell? Like, I'll be producer and we'll produce this together. But, you know, I want you to have a, a chance to direct your own movie, um, which is only something a true friend would would do. I mean, I was just so touched by that invitation. So, you know, I pitched pitched a few to Dylan first and we talked about like what what would work, what would not. Um, I actually think this might have been 2 years ago now that I think of it. And then it was a year later that we actually finally decided like, okay, let's do this. We've wasted enough time. It's it's COVID. Let's let's get moving. And yeah, we put together the pitch for The Last Baron and yeah, I mean, rest is history, I guess. Well, you know, we've talked about him several times here, but talk to us a little bit about your partner in crime here, at least for a couple of films and your friend, Dylan Reese Howard. And just, you know, you mentioned earlier that you love the fact of working in film again, kind of reminded you of what it's like to, you know, work as, as a part of a group of people. It's like having a, a common crew to kind of move forward and accomplish that uh, creative goal. Talk to us a little bit about maybe how you guys complement each other, do you think? And also, what is it about that relationship that you help that you think strengthens the work of things like Last Baron and Digging in the Dirt? On Digging in the Dirt, it was, uh, the roles were, were pretty different, you know, even as co-directors, co-producers, you know, the, on the production side, I would say that like, my job was largely to find the sources, to secure the sources, to prepare them for it. And then on the, you know, on the direction side, it was really about narrative, sculpting, you know, sculpting the story, um, you know, before we even started to shoot it and starting and trying to sort of conceptualize how all these pieces can fit together. What pieces are we missing? What, sh what do we know need to go for? And not, not necessarily in a visual sense, but I mean, just sort of in a thematic sense, whereas, you know, Dylan on the production side was very much more administrative, putting together a crew, a team, dealing with the nonsense of <laughs> of release forms and insurance and all that fun stuff and budgeting and whatnot and then on the direction side you know very much the the eye of the lens you know very much the the style the tone you know the visual style of the film that was very different with the last baron though where um i mean they those two movies look very different for a, a reason my film style is much more it's a lot more i guess fluid the last baron is um there is a style to it that you can kind of almost describe as like a bit of a music video style and to me that that like that's not just 
the style that I like in documentaries. I guess it depends on the content, but I really wanted to juxtapose the humility or the, the humbleness rather of like working a blue collar job in a small town with, with like a bit of a hip hop feel. And so that's kind of where that comes from. You know, I want to take something that's really rustic and make it look really slick and that it, you know, cuts together really quickly. And there's also, you know, it's also sort of imitating, I think, the confidence or maybe the bombastic nature of the barons themselves. They have like very big personalities that you wouldn't expect for such a small town and such a, people work in such a humble job. Where Dylan really supported me there was was really just entrusting my vision and supporting me in the, the vision that I had for this you know, for this film. And he's such a great producer. I didn't really appreciate it until this film where, you know, because I had to ask my producer for things, right? And and I just got a bit, we were working a lot more closely on this one. There were more film days as well. And also, you know, when you're the director, you know, the sole director and also the producer, but he needed me to see like the budget on a regular basis as well. And so, <laughs> but he was just incredibly supportive. Like if, th if there's the budget for it and it can be done, let's do it. And it was great. It was, it was awesome. I, I, I love our partnership. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a true friend. I felt like what was really interesting about this is that you have these two different kind of almost polar opposite works that we, I talked about the, the last Baron being a real hard left, but what I really like, what I noticed in watching both those films and particularly with last Baron, when I was like, Oh, he's really like, he's in charge of the camera. He's trying to look at like shots. And of course that's collaborative, but I thought this really allowed you to kind of, uh, you know, be more creative and kind of get outside of the box because the tone is so different. And that's so that when you, when I looked it up and I said, Oh, he went to film school. I'm like, okay, this makes so much more sense. Cause I was like, man, this guy could do anything. Like, <laughs> like, He's unbelievable because <laughs> I've seen lots of stuff where I'm just like, okay, that doesn't quite work visually. And you find a way to make all this stuff, like you find a way to be sensitive with digging in the dirt and understand the tone of that. And you found a way to translate something like, oh, that uh, an obscure burger shack that is, you know, that's sprinkled around the province. How engaging can that be? And you found a way to do that. So, I mean, kudos to yourself uh, and your entire crew on both those films because they're both engaging for two completely different reasons. <laughs> Thank you. You know, it's when you compare the two films, it seems like like who is this guy, right? Like it's just they're they're polar opposites. My work as a as a writer, as a as a you know nonfiction storyteller, let's just say, is that varied. I mean, at the same time that the Last Baron came out, my book Praying to the West: How Muslims Shaped the Americas came out, which is tonally in terms of scope completely different. It is a hype. It is a international travelogue about race, religion, and politics. There's some humor to it for sure. And my voice is quite prominent. Um, but, you know, it is, <laughs> it's very different from The Last Baron. At the same time, it's not because both books are also about like an underappreciated influence of immigrants and racialized people. And so, there, you know, there are these little threads here and there, you know, Digging in the Dirt and The Last Baron are connected by this, like, you know, appreciation, love of Alberta. The Last Baron with this book about, you know, 
Im uh, about immigrants and, and racialized people and their influence. I'm a generalist. Like, as a journalist, I'm a generalist. What interests me, interests me. And I'm an expert on absolutely nothing. Um, and my only desire is to tell great stories that mean something to people and maybe, maybe, maybe could change the way that they see the world or at least their surroundings. Yeah, I feel like you are doing that uh, on several different levels. Our guest today has been Omar Mualam, a writer, director, narrator of The Last Baron, a documentary film about the Burger Baron franchise we've just been talking about, as well as co-director of the documentary Digging in the Dirt. You can find both of them on CBC Gym. Omar, here's your opportunity to, you know, what shamelessly tell people not only we've talked about the films and where you can find them, but also about some of the books you've talked about and maybe even direct them to your website. I don't know. What's the best? You know place? what? You know what I want to plug? I want yeah, to plug what do you want to plug? I want, I want to share some news. Sure, do that it. The Last Baron um, is being expanded into a feature film. Fantastic. So we are very close to a final cut. It's looking great. It's about 90 minutes long. It's such, I mean, it was, it was, I always knew just how deep this story was and making a film in 44 minutes for television, you know, it's, there are some constraints there and you only have so much time to get into it. Uh, people are going to love hearing the Burger Baron story in its fullness. And so it's going to come out under a different title. And the title is The Lebanese Burger Mafia. <laughs> um, and so people can look out for that. And if you want to follow the production of the movie, you can follow us on Instagram at Burger Baron Movie or on Facebook. But Instagram is kind of where we share all the the fun photos and and sort of you know snippets from from the shoot from the production and um, you know I guess share some of the 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 fun of um, of getting a movie out there. You heard it here. If you don't, if you only listen to my show and don't pay attention to anything else Omar does, you're here to hear first. <laughs> but but that's really exciting, and I'm glad that you guys get to expand on a project like that. And it probably means you know a lot more eyeballs on it, and maybe also internationally being able to really be able to that's, that's take hope. it around. Right? That's, that's what we thing. hope. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, Omar, congratulations on not only the work you've done, but being a recipient of the 2022 Lieutenant Governor's Emerging Artists Award uh, for people 36 years old and younger. <laughs> And <laughs> we really appreciate your time. Uh, check him out, whether you like the films or you want to read some of his books. Uh, it's all wonderful stuff. Omar, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Christian. It's fun. I fired my kids one time. If I do it with my family, do you think I would go to some nincompoop? The people who run those things are not about to give them up. I run everything on my own. I don't deal nothing with a company, franchise, I don't nothing. I run my own. But they will have to or find somebody else to take them over. This burger burn will not be passed down to me. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> and there's the problem. Who will be the last baron? Too many chefs in the kitchen. Soon as you step.